A.W. Tozer, one of my favorites, said it like this. Where does Christianity destroy itself in any given generation? It destroys itself by not living in the light, by professing a truth it does not obey. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. You know, the Word says to be still and to to know that you are God. Oh Lord, that's what we do right now in the midst of challenges, in the midst of chaos around us. God, we know that you're forever. And so we rest in that today. We we cling to that, God, with desperation. We've got to pray that our hearts will be wide open today. Pray my heart will be wide open. As we open your word, as we mind the scriptures, God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would you bring revival? Would you bring awakening to our hearts today, God? And so, God, as we just simply confess even right now, as you're bringing things to mind, areas of struggle, areas of sin, God, I pray that we would be just open and transparent and say, Lord, here it is. Here it is. Take it from me. So God, as we rest in You and Your power, that we're praying for a work that only You can do. We can't create a work of the Holy Spirit. It won't happen. But we know when we begin to pray, when we humble ourselves, and, and we, we turn from our wicked ways, we know from Your Word that You're going to hear from heaven and you're going to heal our land. So God, you speak in this room today. Speak to each one of us. Speak to me, God. Show me my areas of struggle and weakness. And I pray that we would leave here today proclaiming, exclaiming that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. God, to you be the praise. God, to you be the glory. And we pray this all in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Take that Bible and turn to the book of James. James, your verse for today, one verse we're going to study and unpack together is James 1.21. So I pray you have your notes handy and I pray you're hungry to hear. I pray you're eager to learn, eager to listen, that you, you want to take it in because we know it's the truth of God's word, amen. It's the truth of God's word that will set us free. So many people, I've heard it all across the media, I hear it uh, from other people I know, but uh, you see this, you've turned on the television, you've turned on social media, you know what I'm talking about here, that we're hearing all about this this national emergency, that we're hearing all about this national pandemic, Uh, the chaos is just off the rails right now, we see it unfolding before our eyes, and I disagree, I don't think we're in a national crisis. I don't think we're in a national pandemic. God's sovereign. He's in control. So we don't need to bend, buckle, or break to what's going on around us, but we do need to know this church. We need to know this very clearly. 
We are in a national spiritual crisis. This is a spiritual pandemic is what you're watching on your television sets. This is what happens when, when people rebel against God. What we're really seeing happen is John 10.10. If you know John 10.10, it says this, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Uh, we're watching killings. We're watching stealings. And we're watching a whole bunch of destruction go on. This is what happens when men and women do what's right in their own eyes. We rebel against God. There's no more absolutes. They say, why do we need to be under the truth? Here's why. Because it's a truth that will set us free. You remove truth, and you have now set that society, that culture, into motion for collapse. The moment you remove God's truth from that, you now set in motion for that society, that culture, to now go into collapse. So you hear that, and you go, wow, that doesn't sound very good. Well, here's the good news. The good news is always Jesus. The good news is always the gospel. There's really bad news right now. Like right now, there's some really bad news. But we, you and I, we know the greatest news in the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. So this is not the time that we cower, that we get into the bunker. No, this is the time that we run out onto the field. This is the time that we go out onto the field, go out onto the battlefield of life, and we take the gospel out there. We do it lovingly. We do it with grace. We do it with mercy, with patience, with goodness. But we don't bend, buckle, and break. This is actually the time to show off Jesus. Because the light doesn't shine the brightest where it's the brightest. It always shines the brightest where it's the darkest. And right now it's dark. It's really dark. You know, perhaps if the American church would, would have a spiritual fire, uh, perhaps there wouldn't be fire in our streets. Perhaps if the American church had a spiritual uprising, there would not be a violent uprising in our streets. It's high time, church, that, that we become the church of Jesus Christ, that we become the ones that God has called us to, uh, to not sit in comfort, but to go out to make a difference, to go reach the lost at any cost, to do whatever we got to do, to share the love of Christ, to go make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. God didn't call us to create church attenders. He called us to make disciples of Jesus that make disciples of Jesus. You say, what's that have to do with James? Well, a lot. Because right here in James 1.21... Look what it says here in this great one verse, just one verse, as the title to our message today is simply the solution to the crisis. In other words, the solution to every crisis you will face is right here. Like right here in this word today is the solution. There's only one solution. There's not a myriad of options. There's not many ways to the Father. There's only one way, and His name's Jesus. And here it is, the solution to the crisis, James 1.21, says this, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive, don't miss that, and receive, how? With meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So let me read that again, just marinate on it, soak on it, I want you to internalize this word. Therefore, it's actually a very important word, put away, number one, what? All filthiness and rampant wickedness. 
What do you do? Secondly, receive. Receive how? With meekness. Receive what with meekness? The implanted Word. What's it going to do? Which is able to save your souls. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorites, said it like this. Where does Christianity destroy itself in any given generation? It destroys itself by not living in the light, by professing a truth it does not obey. See, James comes out of the gate here in just one verse. He says, look, therefore. There's that word therefore. You hold it up, you look at it, and you go, what is it therefore? Well, it's there for a reason because it's saying this, on account of 20 verses preceding, 20 verses preceding, James says, look, we've arrived at this destination. We've read, we've talked about, we've analyzed, we've ripped apart word by word, verse by verse, 20 verses, and now all of a sudden we're in one verse and James says, therefore. He boils it down to this. He says, therefore, in light of all this, I want you to do command number one. Not a suggestion, but command number one. Look in your Bible what it says. Command number one, put away. Somewhere on your notes there, just write those two words down in the corner of your notes. Just put put away. Because I want you to think about this as we are trying to paint that picture to make it very visual in our lives. When James is speaking here, this is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to cast it off. Like this isn't one of those things where James is saying, hey, you got some filthiness and some rampant wickedness, and why don't you just kind of hang around with it? Just set it off to the side. Just set it off in the corner. It's not really a big deal. It's only a big deal in everyone else's life, what they deal with it. In my life, it's not a big deal. I can manage this. No, if I begin to attempt to manage sin, here's what I've learned. Sin begins to manage me. I can't play around with it. I got to flee from it. I got to get away from it. I can't tinker with it. I can't play patty cake with it. I got to get rid of it. And James says, put it away. Here's how he really unpacks this when you take those two words. It's the illusion here when you look at it of putting away, of taking off dirty clothing. So the illustration you got to think of, you go out in the Virginia heat, it's getting warm outside, it's getting humid. You're outside working in the yard, and you're working, and man, you're out there slaving away, right? Man, you're cutting grass, you're, you're weed-eating, uh, trimming the hedges, uh, going through the honey-do list, right, guys? Honey-do list. Well, thing grows, doesn't it? Just growing, one thing after another. Man, you're out there working hard, and you come in after just a few hours, and you are dripping sweat. I mean, you're just soaked in sweat. It's just dripping. You're wringing out your shirt. Well, what do you do? Well, well you just go sit down in your favorite chair, and you just... You sit there in all the sweat, and you just sit there for hours, and then when you're done with that, then you get up and you go to bed in all the stinking clothing, and you get into bed, and you go to sleep, right? That's what you do. Well, of course you don't. You don't do that. You, what do you do? You come inside, and one of the first things you do, one of the first things you do is you're like, man, this is uncomfortable. You're like, whoo, man, well, somebody stinks. This is horrible. Like, man, I want to get out of here. Then you realize it's you. And you're like, man, this is horrible. And it, it, it maybe itches and it, there's pressure there going on. You're like, I, I don't want to be walking around in this. And so you remove it. You literally take it and you cast it off. That's what James is trying to communicate. When there's sin that's crouching at our door, when there's sin in our lives, when there's rebellion and chaos and all that you see right now, when you turn on the television and you see all this on the screen and everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. 
I mean, it's just mass rebellion. You just run around like you don't know the truth. That's what we're saying. Let's just run around like we don't know the truth. You got the senseless killings. You got the racism. That's demonic. You got the destruction. You got the looting. Hey, let's start throwing, let's start throwing blocks through windows. They'll fix the problem. No, won't. Jesus will fix the problem. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus and His blood and His righteousness that will fix this spiritual crisis that we're in. The horrific racism that's going on that's demonic. It's horrible. We've got to put this stuff away. We've got to put it away. Cast it away. Cast away what? We've got to be done with it? All of it. Not some of it. He says all. That's intentional. He didn't say, hey, cast away some. He said, cast away, put away all. Anything and everything on my radar, your radar, that we're struggling with today that's not of the Lord, we got to get rid of this. I mean, we just got to get to the nub of it. You don't go to the doctor, and the doctor goes, hey, you got a disease. I got an idea. Uh, I'm the doctor. You're the patient. Uh, here's an idea. Let's deal with part of it. Let's just deal with part of it, and we'll just hope the rest of it takes care of itself. That'd be asinine. What the doctor's going to say, we're going to deal with this with a vengeance. We're going to go after it. We're going to target it. We're going to isolate whatever it is. We're going to help you get set free. We're going to help you be cured. It's the same analogy. Man, we got a big sin problem in our country, a big one. But it's a great opportunity for the bride, the bride of Jesus Christ, to rise up and say, man, this is who we really are. We are all in. Total commitment, total surrender, total abandon. We want to make a difference. We're only here for a brief moment. We're here today and gone tomorrow. What are we doing now that's going to count for eternity is the question. Are we putting away? Are we hanging on to the things of this life? All of it, all of it. Be done with it. It's finality is what James is saying. There's a finality to this putting away. We've put it away. We've cast it out. We've taken off the stinky clothing. We're done with it. Let's take those stinky, all that stinky clothing. Man, what do we do? In our house sometimes, we like pitch it. It's like you hold it up and you go, woo, man, this is horrible. We're not even washing this. This isn't even worth the laundry soap. Man, we're like burning this stuff. Just get rid of it in our lives. And God's going to bless that. He's going to bless that obedience. All of what? Well, what's my Bible say? What's yours say? This rampant wickedness and filthiness. Now, filthiness here is very interesting. So James is communicating a message here. And the filthiness, as you look there in your Bible, mine says filthiness, maybe you have a different translation, but the ESV I'm reading from says all filthiness. It goes even deeper. So I gave the illustration of the clothing that stinks. This alludes to two things. You could say foul, stinking garbage. You guys ever like walked out into your trash can and you're like, wow, what's going on in there? It's bad, right? You don't want to be around it. That's the illustration here of sin. He's trying to communicate. You just don't want to be around it. But it goes even deeper. And this one's a little strange, but when you look at the root word, the Greek root word here, it goes back to earwax of all things. Now, I know some of you like to dig in ears. And that's a whole different sermon series, Right? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Remember what James talked about last week? Be quick to hear. Slow to speak, slow to become angry. Go up one more verse. You see the word of truth. 
Look what he's saying here. we got to be quick to listen and make sure we cast off everything, everything that could hinder us, number one, number one, of hearing the gospel. Like right now, what you see going on on the television set is a bunch of people that rebel against the truth, that love to walk in darkness, and here's the deal, they're not hearing the gospel. There's a resistance that says, I don't want this. I don't want to walk in this. And yet James says, look, make sure, make sure I and you, make sure we're not in the camp of, number one, repaying evil for evil. Uh-uh. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. No, we're here as a church to love the community, to show the grace, to show the mercy. No, God takes care of all of that. We're here just to hold up Jesus. Because when people are hurting, hurting people hurt people. Broken people break people. Uh, We have the solution, not a solution again, the solution in Jesus. This is a dark hour in our country, but it should be the church's finest hour. That we can rise up and say, here he is. We're not him, by the way, but here he is. All his glory, all his splendor, all his praise, all your hurt, all your pain. Here's your solution. His name's Jesus. But we got to put away. I got to do a personal inventory. You have to do a personal inventory. I got to look in the mirror. You got to look in the mirror and say, God, what is it? I got to be courageous and I got to look in that mirror and go, Ooh, I don't like it. It's okay. We get honest and open. And when we get real, that's when God becomes real in our lives. He becomes real. We don't live a real life in Christ often because He hasn't become real in our lives. No, James says, put it off, cast it off. Have nothing to do with it, all of it, not some. All of this filthiness, this wickedness, this wickedness here literally gives the idea of depravity that is not ashamed. Again, don't have to be a rocket scientist here. Turn on the television. You're seeing a lot of depravity right now that's not ashamed. Hey, let's just whatever. Here we go. And the prince of this world, the enemy himself, is doing his bidding. As he deceives, as he kills, and steals, and destroys. That's why key number one, I want you to write this down in your notes. Key number one, write this down. Here it is, key number one. I must go to war against any personal indwelling sin because it will hinder me from hearing and obeying the truth of God's Word. Let me say that again. Key number one. I must. This is not an option for the true believer. I must go to war against any personal indwelling sin. And if you're a true believer, you'll want to. Because it will hinder me from hearing and obeying the truth of God's Word. You could just say what James is saying right there in this whole first part of this verse is the concept of repentance. I'm walking towards sin... It's alluring. My flesh loves it. I want to have it. I'm deceived. I'm blinded. And yet then Jesus comes on the scene. I'm illuminated. I'm seeing clearly for the first time in my life. The blinders and scales have been removed. I'm like, oh, this is, I finally get to see. I've never seen before. Wow, it's beautiful out there, isn't it? It's amazing. And when this happens, I walk towards sin initially, but then I do that military term and I do an about face. So I'm going towards sin, and I say, uh-uh, I don't want this. No, no, I'm going to put this away. 
I don't want to cohabitate with this. I don't want to rationalize any longer any respectable sins in my life. How about you? I don't want to rationalize any longer from this day forward. I want to be a person, I pray you do too, that we want to walk in holiness. We want to live a life that counts for Jesus. We want to make a difference. I don't want to live in the middle. I don't want to live in the fence. Satan owns the fence. I want to live for Jesus. And we repent. We, we turn. Not partially. Not almost there. No, it's an about face that we go this direction into sin and we go no more. No more. You name it, whatever your struggle is, whatever my struggle is, and we pivot. We completely pivot 180 and we run in this direction to Jesus. Just cast it away. Have zero tolerance. Say from this day, for men in the room here, single moms in the room, from this day, from this day, guys, here it is. As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. I'm calling every man, every grandpa, every single mom, that you're leading your home today, starting today. As for me and my house, we're serving Jesus. And watch what he does. Watch what he does when obedience now takes center stage. Watch what happens when his glory takes center stage in your family. Watch what he does. He will make all things new. But we've got to cast it away. Got to put it away. John Owen said it like this. You've heard me quote this guy before. Be killing sin or it be killing you. What an amazing theological concept. Be killing it. Constantly at war and the sanctification we're constantly having to kill the sin because it's there. As Paul said, it crouches at the door. It's, it so easily lies at hand, doesn't it? It's just there, just waiting. No, we've got to kill it and be at war against it. How about Hebrews? I want you to write this down, a great text to support this key number one. Write down Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Love this. Love this. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, there's that word therefore again, in light of what was just said. Hebrews 11, by the way, amazing, isn't it? The hall of faith. Read that later. Just amazing how God took a bunch of broken people and they're now in his hall of faith. I mean, that gives us hope, amen? Hebrews 12 right there. Therefore, what's it say? Since, I love that. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Here we go, church. Let us lay aside every weight, not some, every weight and the sin which so easily clings closely to us, it ensnares us, one translation says. And let us do what? Run with what endurance? Don't quit. Don't bend, buckle, and break. Life's hard. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? Man, we got to run hard. This race is not easy. But here's the great news. The battle belongs to the Lord. For the true believer in Christ, you don't have to run in your own strength. Matter of fact, you can't run in your own strength. You have to rely on Christ. Let us do what? Run with endurance the race that is set before us. I can remember being back in high school and we're training for football. And I can remember those days we would we'd take these ankle weights and we put them on our wrist. You remember these ankle weights? They were the ones we had were blue. They're like about five pounds, some were two and a half, and it had a Velcro. You know what I'm talking about? You put them on your we're dating ourselves here, aren't we? I don't know if they make them anymore. Maybe they do. But we put them on our ankles, and we were supposed to run with them. But we had this brilliant idea. Hey, let's put it on our wrist. And as we throw this ball with a five-pound weight, man, we're going to strengthen our arm. We had no idea what was happening to our rotator cuff. 
But it was fun. It was a great idea, right? You're 16, 17 years old. Hey, tie a, tie a waiter on your wrist and throw a ball. Makes sense, right? And so, man, we're throwing the ball. We're having a ball. I mean, they, they were ugly. They were ducks at first. Then we, then we got it and we started twisting the wrist. And oh, yeah, man, it's spiraling now. Here it goes, bing, 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 five pound weight. And then what happened? You know what happened next, don't you? Man, we took that Velcro and we went, bam. And we slung that thing off. Man, we slung off everything that was hindering us. And woo, these, these were missiles, weren't they? I mean, we were throwing it like we never threw it before. Same illustration, isn't it? I mean, how many of us, me, you, man, we're running this race for Jesus, but, but man, we're carrying a lot of junk with us. I mean, there's a lot of junk. Bitterness and shame and guilt and and stuff from the past when we were young kids, it's never been dealt with, and it's impacted our entire lives, and I mean, it's high time. Like, it's high time today, but we can't delay any longer. Jesus is coming back. we got to rise up and, and be the church that God has called us to be. we got to put away everything which so easily ensnares. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. How about the second part of this verse, the last part of 21? Let's look and see what it says together. So James is just commanded, by the way, to to lay aside. We talked about that. Discard, cast off the sin. Now he says, here it is, and receive. So very interesting. So we go from a putting off, a casting off, to now a receiving. Receive what? Receive how? With meekness, the implanted word, which is able to do what? Save your souls. Randy Alcorn, one of my favorite authors, said this. He said, when my thirst for joy is satisfied by Christ, sin becomes unattractive. Isn't that good? When my thirst for joy, all of us want joy. There's not a person here today that truthfully doesn't want joy. We all hunger it. We all crave it. We're looking for it in life. When my thirst for joy, Randy Alcorn says, becomes satisfied. In other words, it's like, okay, tank full, tank full, I'm satisfied in Christ. Now sin becomes unattractive. Why? Because holiness and evil don't coexist. Light and darkness don't coexist. That's why you see what's going on in our culture today. You see darkness everywhere. And when someone says, hey, here's the light, those two things collide, don't they? There's a collision of mass proportions. No, James says, put it off, but then he says, receive. It literally means this. I want you to picture this, church. So when James is saying to receive, here's what he's doing. He's saying, I just don't want you to take it with your hand, but I want you to embrace it to such a degree that it showers over your mind and your heart and your soul. So when he says there in 21, and receive it, he's not saying, hey, you know, yeah, I'll take Jesus. Yeah, I'll walk an aisle. Yeah, I'll raise a hand. I'll say a prayer. I'll do a cartwheel. I'll sign a card. Hocus pocus, I'm in. No life change. Nothing ever happened. 
That's not what he's saying. He's saying here that you receive it to such a degree that there's transformation. That there's a true wholesale change in the life. Not behavior modification, heart transformation. And he says receive it. He says literally, as you receive it, how do you do it? You do it with what? Meekness. Now, meekness is not weakness. Often we'll look at somebody and go, man, he's really, he's meek. And what we're really saying is that he's weak, but true biblical meekness is not weakness. It's actually just the opposite. True biblical meekness is humility. And true biblical humility is power under control. That's why pridefulness, prideful people, there's much insecurity there because everything's out of control. It's just out of control. Trying to get control everywhere I go. No, it's Jesus, humility. We rest in that humility. There's freedom. He says, receive it with humility. Not with pride, not with boastfulness, not with arrogance. Think about this. When you and I receive the Word of God and we see the Word of God for what it really is, here's what happens. It becomes, as the Bible says, a mirror, a tutor, a schoolmaster. I look into the law and that law, I, mean, I look at it and go, wow, I really do need Jesus. Like, man, this is, this is pretty jacked up right here. Like, I really do need him. And when that comes into your mind and that comes into your heart, in my heart, do you even sense by the tone right now, there's a humility, isn't there? There's like a, oh man, you're it. And I'm getting the cliff notes on this one. I'm not. So I want to receive you with such a, with such a joy, with a humility, that I'm not going to fight for the throne of my life. I know, Jesus, you're not in the business of like being on the victory stand with anyone else. That's not what you do. You don't share the blue ribbons. It's not what you do. You, you're it. I'm here. You're the victor. Think about that thought. James says, hey, I want you to put off this filthy sin, this stinking sin. And then I want you to receive with meekness, with a heart that's humble and contrite and doesn't have all the answers, but, but we're serving the one who does, amen? But we don't have all the answers, but we know who does, and that's who we serve. And, and we run hard after Him for His praise, for His glory. And what do we receive with meekness? The implanted Word, the Gospel. It literally is the Word of God. And you know this because the Word of God, we talked about this, is that umbrella that we sit under it, we submit to it, we, we walk in the bumpers of the Gospel. For you that are bowlers, any bowlers in the room? A couple of us try to bowl. You guys put up the bumpers, right? Put those bumpers. They, they keep you from doing what? Going into the gutter. You guys ever had a day where you're not in the Word? How does that day typically go? A lot of gutter balls, right? Amazing how when I'm in the Word, even though there's still struggles, still pain, still a broken life around me, but man, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, you're in the Word, the Word's in you, you're refreshed by it, it's saturated. You're like, man, even though I'm in the struggles, man, I'm receiving the Word with gladness. Because it's the Word of God that sets us free. Jesus says, I'm the Word, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I've heard people say this even recently, that there's other ways, other ways to salvation. No, there's not. No, there's not. That's reckless of any pastor who's a Bible-believing pastor to say there's many ways to the Father. No, there isn't. There's one. His name's Jesus. You say, how do you know? Well, it's really easy. You get in the Word. 
John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The, the, for you school teachers, is a definite article. Not a way, not a truth, not a life. Everyone doesn't die and just go to the Disneyland in the sky. That's not how this works. That's why there's such urgency right now. This is life or death, and I'm not talking about physical life or death. This is eternal life or death on our doorstep. And the church, it should be our finest hour right now to share the love of Christ, to show how missional we are. We don't want to hide in a bunker. Now, let's go out to the battlefield and make a difference. This isn't a country club. It's a warship that God's going to use for His glory to cut through the waters of Chester in a loving, gracious, merciful way that we just say, here's Jesus. We love you. We love you so much. We want to just share the greatest thing that has transformed our own hearts and He can transform yours as well. See, there's something powerful about this receiving. And it does what? What's the last part there? It's able to do what? It's able, it's capable It literally means this in the Greek. It means dynamite. It's able. There's power in it to save. We sing a song that goes something like this, that God is mighty to save. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God's mighty to save? Do you believe that? Like, I believe that. I believe God is mighty to save because I'm a walking testimony of it. I pray you can say that about your own life, that God is so mighty to save that he took me and you, we were walking in darkness, and he freed us from that miry clay, and now we're walking in light. He took us from the grip of Satan, and now we're in the grip of him. That's how powerful he is, and that word save means this simply, to rescue. That he rescued us. I didn't rescue myself. You didn't rescue yourself. He rescues. He does the saving. He draws and woos and stirs is what the Word says. And then when those blinders are removed, it's like, man, this is amazing. I've been waiting for this for years. And I've seen that in people's lives. I've seen some people that are up in their years who come to know this Jesus. I'm thinking about one right now. This guy's in his mid-60s. He lived for self and the enemy for all of his life. In the last five years, God radically rocked his world. This guy is on fire. He is making a difference for God's glory. You know why? Because it's real. Like he really got saved. He gave everything over to Jesus. Didn't just say something. Didn't just get baptized. No, it's real. He turned his entire life over to Christ and Christ is using him to change the course of history literally around the people he's with. That's the impact he's having. So here's key number two. Write it down. Last key. Here it is. Key number two. Key number two. Let's make this personal. He'll save our souls is what the word says. Your souls. Key number two. I must humbly receive God's word as it has the all-surpassing power to save, refresh, and guide my soul. Let me say that again. Write it down. Key number two. I must, not a negotiating point here, I must humbly receive God's word as it has the all-surpassing power to save, refresh, and guide my soul. Did you notice here the preparation going on? Put off, receive. Cast off. Whatever the struggle is, just cast it off. Give it to Jesus today. And then we receive His implanted Word. We dive into the Word. We mine the Scriptures. We wash the truth over us. Matter of fact, write down this verse that will support this. It's Colossians 3.16. Not John 3.16. 
But Colossians 3.16, you can add that to your repertoire of verses. Colossians 3.16, and here's what the first part says. Look at it there closely. It says, let or insist, allow the word of Christ, the word of God, the logos, the scriptures, the gospel to do what? To dwell in who? Your neighbor, your friend, your coworker? That'd be good. That's a great thing. But what's the word say? To dwell in you. Dwell in me. How? Passively? Poorly? On occasion? When we feel like it? No, richly. Here's what Paul is saying to the church in Colossae. He says, look, the power of the word is so potent. It's so potent in crisis. It's so potent in a culture that is off the rail spiritually. Here's what we do as a church. We allow, we insist and say, man, the word of God, man, from this day forward, the word of God is going to dwell in me. Paul's saying this, it's going to take residence in me. I'm just not going to read it and then put it back on the coffee table and then stack a whole bunch of books on top of it. No, it's going to become my life. Like from this day forward, I pray the word of God becomes my life and your life. That it's what we cling to. It's the air that we breathe. It dwells in us. How? Richly, lavishly, abundantly. The word says this, that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now think about this. In a chaotic world where we're in a spiritual crisis of mass proportions, you and I, yes me, we might be the only walking Bible that people ever see. We might be the only one. They've never been to a church. They've never been read the Scriptures. There is general revelation. Romans tells us that very clearly. How can anyone be without excuse? Just go outside and see the birds and the sky and all the beauty. There is the God. But you and I, as the Word dwells in us richly, it takes residence. It takes over our minds and our hearts and our souls. It's going to be impossible. It's going to be impossible if that's true in my life and your life for others not to notice. Impossible. Now, if it's not real, if it's just Sunday morning only, it's going to be real easy Monday through Saturday for people not to see that in our lives. James is saying, look, here's the deal. Things were really hard in this day. You got to remember, what's he writing about? Remember originally? The dispersion. And out of the gate, he says, look, I know you've been dispersed Count it all joy. You're going through some really hard times. Don't think that these guys and gals were sitting around eating bonbons, uh, playing harps on clouds, singing kumbaya. That's not what was going on here. These are really hard days. And James says, look, here's the deal. If you don't put this stuff away and get rid of all the stinking thinking, it's going to block your hearing of the word. Your mind's not going to hear it. Your heart's not going to hear it. Your soul's not going to hear it. And you're not going to walk in freedom and obedience. But rather do this. Put all that stuff away. Whatever's hindering, whatever the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and I right now, let's put it away. Let's make it finality. Like today, write it down on this date in history that this was your day. This was my day that we said no more. Like no more. I'm all in for Jesus. Like no more. No more toe in the water, no more kind of high-fiving Jesus here and there. No, I'm in. Look like I'm in. 
And when we do that, we're receiving the word of God prayerfully day by day. He's going to do the work. He's going to refresh our souls. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Especially in this culture that I believe is, is desperately, desperately, truthfully looking for something. You know, people often rebel because they've looked and looked and looked and they haven't found what's real and true and so they just keep rebelling. But when we begin as an American church to say, look, here it is. Here's Jesus. I pray that the revival, the awakening, the reformation will start like never before and I pray it starts with me and that's why the takeaway question, church, is this in your notes. Write it down. It has to start right here in the takeaway question. If I don't start here in the takeaway question, we're all just wasting our time. So here's the question, takeaway question. What areas of sin in my life, I'm talking to me, not to you, I'm talking to me, do I need to deal with today? Now I ask you to ask yourself the same question. Be truthful, be honest. Like what areas? Is it the bitterness? Is it the unforgiveness? Is it the jealousy? Is it the pride? Is it the fill in the blank? Whatever it is from 30 years past that has never been dealt with and it's just wreaking havoc, there's anger, there's venom, there's just a resistance because it's so much stirred up in your life and you, you haven't truly got it out into the light and said, Jesus, I need you to take this from me. And I pray today will be that day for me and for you. The freedom. No longer walking around in the handcuffs. No longer walking around in the self-imposed prison. But we walk around in freedom. Action step. Here it is. Action step. I will ask the Lord to enable me to cast off any sin and then joyfully receive and submit to God's Word which will set me free. Let me read that again. Action step. I will ask the Lord to enable me to cast off any sin and then joyfully receive and submit to God's Word which will set me free. Church, I've learned this over the years and I'm seeing it right now unfold before my eyes, but here it is. Any home, any individual, any business, any ball team, any church, any nation that faces a crisis. The crisis is always the great exposer of the true health of that individual, of that home, of that business, of that ball team, of that church, and yes, of that nation. The crisis is the great exposer. The screws are tightened, right? You've been to ratchet down and the pressure's on and now what's real becomes real. And we're seeing in front of us what happens when a country lives in spiritual chaos and disease. This has happened over the years. We've seen the slide. Uh, we're really not one nation under God. We don't need to put that on our, our money, our coinage, uh, Ten Commandments. Don't need those in the courthouse. Uh, let's take prayer out of schools. I, I just don't think that's a really good idea. Uh, let's get Jesus and prayer out of schools. Oh, by the way, uh, human life. Human life is really not that important is what we said. And so uh, let's start murdering babies. Uh, sure, let's go down that road. How about this? A man and woman, one man, one woman for a lifetime in marriage, according to the scriptures. I don't think God was really serious about that. You know, I think he was kidding. Let's just go our own way. Here's where we are in 2020. When men and women and students and children do what's right in their own eyes, you begin to watch on your televisions what's going on. 
Here we are. Welcome to reality. The greatest reality TV is going on on your TV right now. This is reality. People go, this doesn't sound too good. If Jesus is not your king, it's the worst news you could imagine. But when Jesus is your king, there's no greater news knowing that he's in control. What does God want you to do today? Like, what does he want you to do here at this church that, that going forward we can say, you know what, I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be in. I'm surrendered. I'm just going to do whatever it takes to make a difference. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit right now speaking? He speaks, and, and we listen, and, and hopefully there's no earwax in there, right? And we're hearing very clearly and going, okay, you got my attention. What do you want me to do? Let's unite together. This can be, this must be our finest hour. Let's pray for the revival and the awakening and the reformation that people write about. Not because of anything we do, just because we begin to serve, truly and obey and surrender to the one who does the work and his name is Jesus. I don't see any reason. There are no excuses in my mind, zero, why a national revival, a national, not a Chester, not a Virginia, I'm talking about a national revival. There are no excuses in my mind why a national revival cannot and should not start in this room. Like in this room. Not the church down the street. No, I'm talking about right here. I'm talking about right here. There are no reasons why it shouldn't and can't other than this. When people do what's right in their own eyes when they don't fear the Lord, when they don't depart from evil, when they're wise in their own eyes. Father, we come before you today, and God, we just simply just plead before you today. God, I just ask, would you stir in such a way? Will you refresh in such a way? Will you motivate in such a way that, that only you can do? Holy Spirit, I pray that we would not be the same people leaving this room today. I pray there will be a hunger, a fire, a thirst that even if none go with us, we're still following you, Jesus. God, I pray, would you just have us obey you? Whatever it is you want us to do right now, whatever sin we need to cast off, and, and you're very clear when you tell us what that is. The question is, will we obey and will we cast it off? What do you want us to receive today? Maybe there's one here today that has never truly given their life to Christ. Maybe right now there's a call on someone's life here to obey and follow in obedience and that hasn't been received. Lord, I just ask right now, would you speak, Holy Spirit? Remove every distraction, remove all the blinders, all the scales. God, would you speak? Find us faithful. Grab our hearts, God, right now. Grab our minds. Grab our souls. Grab us, God, for your glory. 
You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.